0: You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore Culture to stay on track with news and updates. The curse is broken. The Montreal Canadiens finally win past regulation, and it was against the Vancouver Canucks last weekend. My name is Mark Anthony Bertagia. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz, and today. We have a very special guest with us. We have our good friend, Liam Baum. Liam's on the line. How are you?
1: How's it going, guys? Glad to be here.
0: Great. So today we're going to we're gonna talk about a few things. Um, the Canadians had a very rough week. We'll start in chronological order here. So at the start of the week, Dominique Ducharme said that Tyler Toffoli would be missing the week this past week. So the three games against Edmonton due to a lower body injury. And then the next day we got news that Jordan Harris has decided to stay in the NCAA and not play or not sign his entry-level deal to play with the Montreal Canadiens. He will stay at Northeastern and will actually be their captain next season. And then COVID-19 got into the North Division and Yolarmia Armia and Yasperi Kotkaniemi were placed on the COVID-19 protocol list. And after consultation with the National Hockey League, they cancelled all three games against Edmonton and against Ottawa on Sunday. Justin, they played those two games against Vancouver. Do you want to start with that?
2: Well, it was a little bit of a relief to see Vancouver, sorry, to see Montreal take that game against Vancouver in the shootout. Look, as a Habs fan, it's tough to see them lose night in and night out in overtime or in shootout whatever it may be, but it was really nice to see them pick up that extra point and make a statement going forward. Unfortunately, though, <clears throat> we're missing a few games this week, so we can't see that momentum continue.
0: Yeah, it was a point they lost on on Friday, right? Because they lost in overtime. And Liam, because as like as fans were watching the game, and we know we're going into overtime, did you really think they would win? I know they won a shootout, but...
1: Uh, going into overtime... I wasn't too confident just based on their five-on-five play. I mean, Price didn't look that good in the five-on-five play. He led in four on like 18 shots. could have been That's less true. before overtime. Um, I can't lie. Being 0-6 in overtime, it was a bit nerve-wracking going into that. But And it, there has to be a point where you break the curse.
0: Yeah, and it was a good way. And they really needed their goaltender in shootout, right? And he stepped up. He stepped up. They were wearing blue jerseys. I was freaking out. That, like, how many chances did Vancouver have to finish the game, right? In shootout, decent amount. They had a good, good amount of chances. It I was thought going the, back and forth, right? It like, was. It was
2: like in uh, in sudden death.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Because Kateniemi missed. If you guys missed, I thought the tar was going to go between the legs, but <laughs> <I didn't. laughs> thank well, God.
1: Price really woke up in over uh, in the shootout, even in overtime, but. In the shootout, he was locked in, and he Mm -hmm. just looked like himself.
0: Well, I think after Besser scored, he had that look in his eyes where, okay,
1: no more shootout goals, right? Now now it's time to win. Yeah, exactly.
0: So they won those games, and look, it was a while ago. It was was last weekend, so we're not going to cover too much on that because I still think they played a solid game. There was just, let's say, every time they like there was 10 minutes total where they kind of forgot how to play their game, their structure. And that's what costed them. Right. It was like a total of 10 minutes. Vancouver scored four goals. If you add it all up. Right. Mm -hmm. So look, I'm happy with their game. I think it's still consistency that that needs to improve. So we'll go on to this week because we asked people on Instagram, what, what they wanted us to talk about in this episode, because there has been no games. There were supposed to be three. Um, and we got a lot. We got from Corey Dankner. We got from Jason Dankner. They want to talk about the trade deadline, which is coming up, mm-hmm. right? And I have a list of players they can acquire, or I think they should at least target the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but Mark Burchum had his press conference a few days ago, and uh, and we could talk a bit about that before we get into the trades, like Justin. Is there anything from his press conference? He repeated a lot of the same things from his last one.
2: Yeah, he did. There was nothing that really stood out from the previous one. I think it was just interesting to note the detail that he went into um, about COVID. Look, he he mentioned that it was a new strain. I, is that is that the right word that I'm using there? Strain. I, I don't I don't know if that's the proper term, but that, that there's a new strain in the locker room. Oh, of COVID. Uh, what, yeah, yeah. What do they call it? I think it's yeah, yeah.
1: whatever. Anyway,
2: (laughs) he mentioned that and he mentioned that it didn't really spread. He did mention that there was one positive test that did come back um, more than one day in a row. So look, you know, we're getting a bit of a sense of what's going on in the locker room. But unfortunately, that's not our main focus. And we need to start looking ahead because this schedule is getting really condensed and really slim going forward.
0: Liam, did you did you believe his poker face?
1: Like you said last podcast, I think you touched on this. You can't trust Bergeron. He will say one thing and then do the other. And I, I, I'm not saying that he's going to make a move at the deadline, but I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a big splash because I think now it's it's go big or go home this season.
2: Exactly, and that's and that's my question for you, Liam. Is you know we're in a season, and and I've mentioned this before where Bergevin has built his team and it seems like he's at the peak in his term with Montreal. He's built the, his team the way he wanted to. It's his. It's his. So, why wouldn't, even even though cap is a little iffy, you know, it's it, we're tight against the cap, I don't see why he can't make something work, especially when, like you said, Liam, it's go big or go home.
1: I agree 100%. And I'm sure COVID plays into this, but now they shorten the quarantine rule. It switched from 14 days to seven days for an American team or a player on an American team Mm -hmm. to come to a Canadian team. So I think that will maybe change his mind a little bit about acquiring a player. But I mean, I think it's time that he needs to make that big move. When was the last move the Canadians made at a deadline that really changed the team? Thomas Vanek in 2014. Thomas Vanek, that's
0: exactly what I was going to say. Thomas Vanek. And right? he
1: wasn't even a top player, but he made a difference on the team. And I mean, I'm looking at this TSN trade bait list, and there's obviously not too many big names because of COVID and, you know, the shortened season. But I I don't see guys like Mark Stahl making a difference on this team or even Brandon Montour. I know there's been some rumors about Luke Glendenning coming to the Habs, but I just don't see how acquiring a small player like that is going to make a difference. I think you got to go for the big names now. And this team is set to win. They have proved that they can compete in this division and they have to make a big move or it's a waste of a trade deadline and, in my opinion, a waste of a season.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. The thing is, right, that now general managers in the league, they know that teams are desperate, especially in the Canadian division because it's so tight. So the prices are going to skyrocket for regular no, for players. Sure. For and there sure. won't be trades within the North Division because no one's going to help each other out. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Even Ottawa is not going to help anyone out. So <laughs> so our question of the day, we'll talk about it right now. Is Matthias Ekholm worth the price of a first-round pick and two prospects? And here, this is what the rumor is. I've seen it around. I'm sure you guys have seen it around of the two prospects. I'm going to say right now, it really depends on the two prospects. But I'm going to throw a few names out there. And I want to see what you guys think. So it would be a first round pick. And this is from Tony said This also. He said Ryan Palin and Kale Fleury. That would, I'm for sure that conversation would come up. For sure that conversation. And then there's, this is what I think a name would pop up in trade convos. Matthias Norlander. There would be Matthias Norlander, Yessi Islanden. Personally, before I pass it on to you guys, I think that's way too steep. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, really steep. To give a first-round pick, a guy like Matthias Norlander, to me, Matthias Norlander is untouchable. Really?
1: I heard From he's what tearing I've seen, up the league. He, yeah. The league he's playing in. He's having a great season. And, I mean, Yessi Islanden, he's tearing up the AHL mm-hmm. along with Paling. They're both like almost point per game. And I mean, personally, I, I think it's too much. Depending on what first round pick it is, I think if it's this year's first round pick, I'd be willing to give it up. But I mean, a future first round pick, I think I'm not sure.
2: One of the main reasons that the price for Ekholm is so steep right now, like you mentioned, I think it's because teams are getting desperate. But I think what also adds on to that price is the fact that Ekholm is on a very cheap contract and he has one more year left after this season. Mm-hmm. So that helps, right? If I'm not mistaken, his contract is a little less than $4 million a year. I think it's it's around 3.7. Yeah, it is. So if you're looking at that number, for easily a, a defenseman that slots into basically any top four. Yeah, easily. I understand the price that's being given. However, as a Habs fan, with the prospect pool that we have and the players that are starting to develop, especially under a great system in Joel Bouchard, I decline. I
0: decline most offers that include two prospects
2: and that first round pick.
0: I trade prospects if I'm getting an elite defenseman that'll stay for years to come. But he's not that guy. Exactly. He's a guy that you
2: make a move for who can help you short term. Exactly. And by short term, I mean, whether it's for a playoff run or maybe it's that two, three year window max, but I don't see him being a long-term guy.
0: I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Whether it's Mark Bergevin, whether it's Kevin Chevalier off of the Winnipeg Jets, no matter who pulls the trigger for from a T.S. Ekholm, they lose that trade in two years. In my well, opinion,
1: I, I think that's like most trade deadline deals. Like Rick Nash, for example, Boston gave up way too much. It was yeah. it was more than just a first round pick and a that's prospect. But I mean, you have to expect that with trade deadline. And it's like the same thing. Yeah, it's like the same thing with free agency. You're going to overpay for the guy you want. But I mean, it sounds like we're giving up a lot if it's a first and two prospects. And I'm not like, I'm not for it, but I'm also not against it because Mm -hmm. you have to ask yourself the question is this the season we want to win?
2: Which I think for most house fans, it is, right?
1: Yeah. And I mean, although I wouldn't want to see a guy like Paling go. I mean, maybe we need to because now it's time to win. Carey Price is in the twilight of his career. I know he's still, what, 33, 34?
0: I think he's 33. Yeah. I think as the guess.
1: He's reaching the end of his prime. And I think now you have to make the splash. Yeah,
2: and, I don't disagree.
1: I mean, I like the idea of getting a left defenseman, and he's a big guy, he's six foot four. Mm. He's offensive. He plays, he plays everywhere. He plays penalty kill, he plays power play. He's I, a perfect yeah. guy for the Habs, in my opinion, more <laughs> than Taylor Hall.
2: Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, for sure. And I actually have a question that you know, kind of relates to this topic, not as much traits, but more you know a prospect on the rise. And that's Cole Caulfield or Gull Caulfield. Sorry, I get them <laughs> mixed up sometimes. But my question with him is, starting today at 1 o'clock, he plays his first game in the Frozen Four. If He loses. He's out. He wins. He moves on. Let's just say this tournament doesn't last. It's it's not it's not a very long term. Well, do you want it to last for him? Well, that's my question to you guys. And my question is, if he does get eliminated. Hopefully for him, he doesn't. But if he does, does he jump to the Montreal Canadiens right away? And if that jump does is made, does he slot in the top six? Top nine. What are, I just want to hear your takes.
0: I think if he signs with the Montreal Canadiens sooner rather than later, Alex Burrows is the happiest man on earth. <laughs> right? Could you imagine that? Guy? I, I, we tweeted this a few days ago. Could you imagine him shooting with Corey Perry in front of the net? No one's seen that puck. No one is. And I know, I know he's small, and I know he doesn't have NHL experience. But he's a pure goal scorer. He's pure. Like, put him in your top nine. Easy. Look, I don't think the size debate anymore is
2: as prominent as it used to be. You I have agree. to look at this situation mm-hmm. and look at, look, I think we talked about it last time. But a guy like Debrincat, I just use him as my prime example because he was drafted as a pure goal scorer. He was drafted in the second round, but as a pure goal scorer. Came into the league and did exactly that at 5'7". I just want so, to bring this up. Yeah, but-
1: if you look at the NHL in the early 2000s, the player teams were targeting were big guys, whether that big be dogs. forwards, defense, goalies. but you look at the, the NHL and how it's changing, I find it's all about size and skill now.
2: Well bomb or sorry Liam, I know we can I know we can both agree on this, but
1: look at a player like Jack Hughes exactly look at a player like Quinn Hughes he's Two, they're an elite defense by any
0: means no, he's a walking-. No,
1: But, Ah, I mean, you also brought up DeBrinket, and I know you talked about this last time on the last (laughs) podcast. He is an elite goal scorer. And I think Cole Caulfield is very comparable to him. And you look at Wisconsin's team, they're winning because of him.
2: Oh, because of him, yeah. Easy, Hobie Baker. Which is actually funny because they had Shane Pinto... In ahead the of him. ahead of him, oh, yeah, which yeah. blows my mind.
1: I think he's ranked third, and it's yeah, he ridiculous, is ranked third.
2: it's the Leafs but, fans, yeah, whatever. I, is, is he a Leafs
0: prospect? No, I, is I don't he, is think so. he I he's, a sense, he's yeah, a sense
2: prospect. Yeah, they just don't
1: want
0: to see a Canadiens prospect mm-hmm. win the Hopi Baker.
2: But what do you guys also think? Like, look, I know Wisconsin doesn't have a crazy team, but you know, they have a guy in Dylan Holloway, he's very solid. I mean, he was the,
0: sleeping uh, during their during playoff. The world, run. You, oh. It was yeah. cool. It was all Cole Caulfield.
1: Yeah, no, for sure.
2: And I think, anyway, my my take and my opinion on this is that the second he loses, he has to be in the Montreal in Montreal's top nine. He Not has Laval.
1: I think he has to get used to the system, and it'll take probably a week. But I mean, I agree. I mean, if you got to play a guy like Cole Caulfield with skilled players, and I really hope they don't put him on the fourth line to give him like experience in the nhl oh please because i feel like that just like they did with did, ryan paling exactly it, it just kills the purpose of bringing mm-hmm. a guy like cole caulfield you have to put him with a guy like drew Wayne, who knows how to feed the puck to him or kk exactly or kk and i mean i don't like the idea of splitting up dano gallagher and tatar because i think they're finding like great chemistry right that's now that's true yeah as of late yeah they've, yeah exactly and they've been very consistent and but, uh yeah, there's sorry. there's like two lines where you can slot Caulfield on, and I think it's the Kokonami line or possibly the Suzuki line.
0: You put him with Toffoli and KK.
1: I mean, well, Army, I Army
0: has been playing horribly.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'd put him with um, Toffoli just because I know Toffoli likes the puck on a stick and he definitely knows how to put the puck in the net. I think you need that playmaker power forward sniper combo, possibly with Josh Anderson and Suzuki.
0: I think I th- there's many different combinations. Yeah. So you would take Drew away from Suzuki?
1: Yeah, I probably okay. would. It I, work. I mean, I it's think, very interesting. I think Drew Wayne works well with uh, Toffoli. I think they can work well together.
0: Drew played very well with Kotkaniemi in the bubble before he was put with Suzuki. I think it was in the bubble. It was either the end of the season or it was in the bubble. I believe it was the bubble. Yeah, I mean, Oh, yeah, like, because end of the season, Coctinemus and Laval. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you're bringing in a guy with 28 goals in 30 games, you have to put him alongside a playmaker, a guy who's going to give him the puck. Mm-hmm. And I think also on that power play, I think he'll slot in better on power play too. Um, yeah, with just, Perry. Yeah, where he's going to be getting the puck. I don't know where he likes to play on the power play, whether that be on like the one timer side or the short side snipe like Suzuki does. But I mean, on Put him either in the side, spot. yeah, the guy's going to be putting the puck in the net. I think we're, we're going to be seeing that pretty soon.
0: Okay. And I have a list of trade targets. Oh, and to stay on the subject quickly of Cole Caulfield, he now can quarantine for seven days instead of 14. Mm-hmm. That's a game changer. It is a game changer. It's huge. That's huge. It's huge. massive. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into it,
2: but I think I think honestly, look, this is the last thing I'm going to say. You look at the Ducks, they're bringing a guy like Zegers, yeah. bringing a guy like Drysdale, right? Two young guys, and I understand that they're a team that's going through a development process with younger players. They're, they're in a transition phase. But regardless, you let your young players shine and develop with big opportunities. Zegers plays top power play second line. He plays big minutes. If Cole Caulfield gets those minutes on the power play, At five on five, I think we're going to see some crazy things from this guy. I don't see how we couldn't.
0: I I agree. I just I don't see him not having some sort of impact. He's just so good at scoring.
1: Yeah. If we can bring in Caulfield for like the late regular season run, and a guy like Ekholm, I think this team goes on a long stretch of winning. And we become like a very scary team in our division, which I personally think is the hardest division.
2: As long as we stay consistent,
1: yeah,
0: that's the thing, right? Because I think they, like, they are a scary team if they play to their potential. Because against Vancouver, they were all over them until they slept for ten minutes.
1: And right? Vancouver's so, a team that we should be, do- like, not dominating, but
0: they had no Peterson. playing better than yeah,
1: and they. I don't think they had Tanner Pearson either. That's two guys in their top six. That I mean aren't playing. And Vancouver, I think Vancouver. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, okay. I was just gonna say, like, with this upcoming stretch against Ottawa, I think this is the time to prove that that, that you're a scary team.
0: Well, Ottawa's playing some good hockey out of late, and they're helping us. Well, they're helping the Canadians a lot because they beat Calgary twice. And yeah. Vancouver lost twice in regulation. That's that's horrible for them. And huge for the Habs because now they could really separate themselves if they start winning games consistently in this division, and it's huge.
1: Yeah, the, I don't know what's going on in Calgary right now. Definitely some struggles, but yeah, I think you, the Habs need to go on a stretch to lock up that spot.
0: Would you blow up that team if you were their GM? Um, if you were Brad Trey do you blow up that team?
1: I think a guy like Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan are very tradable. I think guys like oh, wow. Maddie Kachuk, Maddie Kuchuk and Lindholm are terrific players to build around.
2: Johnny Goudreau has to go. He
1: needs a change. They of both scenery. do.
2: Look, I think I think Monaghan, like I don't not I don't personally love the guy. I don't I don't like his style it's of okay. play. He's fine. But Johnny Goudreau is so skilled, and I think on literally any other team where he gets that deployment.
0: I'd be scared playing with Barzell. Oh see what God. happens. Like, it doesn't
2: also, matter. But anywhere.
1: I also think the issue in Calgary is they never take away Goudreau from Monaghan. And it's clearly, it, it clearly hasn't been working in the last season and a half. John well, he, ni- he put up 99 points two seasons ago. Jeez. And what has he done recently? His 10 goals, 12 goals. It's nothing. It's nothing crazy.
0: How many years has it been now that they lose in the playoffs and then fans in Calgary want everyone shipped out and then they acquire one guy and then they say, oh, you know, it's going to fix itself. Now they got Markstrom. If they don't have Markstrom this season, they're they're horrible. You know why I think a big reason for their, why they're losing a lot is because
2: they're overplaying Markstrom. And if you go back to the late 20, like 2008, 2009, if I'm not mistaken... Mika Kippershoff was their goalie and they outplayed him like crazy. They ran him out of town. The guy played every yeah. game. They make it to the playoffs. Strong team blown out.
1: He retired. He had enough. He was done. Yeah. That's and
2: the I, last good goalie they had. And now you bring in a guy like Markstrom who's so skilled and he's a great goalie. Mm-hmm. He could have debatably won the MVP last year for the Vancouver. Like he for a great, great contract. contract was incredible and now He's getting overplayed. He's losing games. He's losing confidence. And you bring in a guy like David Riddick to be his, you know...
0: He's better than the starter, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, Riddick played all last season and Calgary was a solid team. And they bring in a guy like Tanev, who's a solid defenseman. And I mean, they're a solid team. And it doesn't make sense to me how they can be playing so poorly.
0: Bring back Mike Smith.
1: (laughs) Milan (laughs) Lucic is making the difference.
0: Okay, <laughs> so now I'm, I'm going to turn topics a bit. I'm gonna I want to talk a bit more about trade targets because I wrote down a list of players that haven't been talked about much. Some are on this list that have been talked about in the past two years, three years as name that has popped up from Mark Brezny as maybe a potential trade target. So I'm going to name a few, and I want you two to um to either say yes or no. And the ones you guys say yes to, we'll dive deep into them, to their contracts, to their points and all that. So I'll start off with one name. I don't know how available he is, but Vince Dunn. He was an RFA, correct me if I'm wrong.
2: I believe so. He's young.
0: Like, I don't know if he's tradable right now. I don't know if they're looking to move him. But I just feel like acquiring a guy like that, is there that much of a difference between, I'm sure there is, but Vince Dunn and Matthias Ekholm. I know the price is huge, but on ice impact, if you're paying less, are you getting more of your bang for your buck if you're going for a Vince Dunn?
2: I think so. Yeah, I think so. I I can't criti- like I can't be a critique to his game. I don't know much yeah. about him, but I think like you're you're like you said, you're getting more of a bang for your buck mm. with him because you're not. I don't think you'll necessarily need to give up a first and two prospects, right? Not at all. Not even close. But also, an, another interesting name that pops up, and I have a question for you guys, and especially, I think, with his French heritage, Will Bu- Will Butcher. I don't even know if he's French. I don't even think he's French, but I can see French people I have no idea. Anything. I thought he was a American. or something. I have no idea what he is. Anyway, regardless, I think he's also an interesting target because I think his values at an all-time low, especially being a healthy scratch.
0: Definitely. And why not... Like cuz New Jersey's a team that technically should be selling to some extent, right? So, why not call them, see what the price is? He's not playing his best hockey, but I'm sure he can pick it up.
1: I yeah, agree. and I actually New Jersey has a decent decor. They they brought in uh Ryan Murray. He's a good left defenseman, but I mean, just going back to the Vince Dunn thing quickly, he's of solid offensive defenseman. He kind of reminds me of a better version of Mete in a way, even though Mete was playing very well last game. Um, I think playing Vince Dunn with Petrie would be very interesting, even maybe with Weber just to get some speed. But I think that would be an interesting acquisition for sure.
2: And sorry, I just want to point out, I I'm was mistaken. Will, Will Butcher is American and he's okay. from Wisconsin. So I don't know where I thought, I don't know why <laughs> oh. I thought he was French. He anywhere. can have the connection
1: so, with uh, Caulfield. Or
0: Joel Edmondson. <laughs> he with actually
2: the... he actually won the Hobie Baker, Will Butcher.
1: He did. He
0: did. So did Jimmy VC now a Vancouver Canuck. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a weird award because
2: I feel like it's hit or miss. Those guys either completely pan out and are top players in the league or they're just...
0: Let's hope Cole Caulfield pans out. Well,
2: maybe yeah, he doesn't win to... the Hobie Baker and then he's on a mission.
1: Uh, it kind of reminds me of the Heisman Trophy. I mean, not to go into football, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, you're you see right. the though. guys pan or out or, or become hundred
2: percent, hundred percent?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, Joel Edmondson who has that French heritage. <laughs> I, I think he does.
2: <laughs> Listen, really? I'm I'm all over the place. I just know the Habs love to target French players, right? And it's not that's not a makes sense. That's not a uh, what's the word? Not, not a shot. It's, yeah, not it's, a, not, it's not a shock to him. <laughs> but I I genuinely thought he was French, so that's my bad. But yeah, so look, I think there's a few guys and guys that have range in value you look at Ekholm his value is decently high right now guy like Butcher his value is decently low but I think May has some room to work and I think the first move that he has to make to be able to be successful at the deadline and a successful team going forward is dump a
0: contract and that contract is Paul Byron's that's the hardest thing that I think any GM can do right now it's the hardest thing he has to do but it makes his life so much easier
2: after, but, I'm saying. If, like if, you're tra-
0: if you're trading for Matthias Ekholm, Paul Byron has to be in that deal just because of salary cap reasons. He has to. But my, my question is,
2: or my comment is, what if we go on trade Byron for... Uh,
0: I don't even know. A I, it, would a would be, it would definitely be a, yeah,
1: a fourth, a fifth. Can, no
0: one's going to help them. They could have got him for free on waivers. That's true. No one's going to help out anyone. So he's going to have to be a toss-in. Exactly. compensation, right? Yeah. You're going to have to overpay for Ekholm and throw him in. Which is like not ideal whatsoever. That's why I'm a bit hesitant on the Matthias Ekholm talk. Mm -hmm. Because they have the prospects to do it. I'm not ready to give them up. No,
2: for sure. And I actually have a question for both of you. And this name is not on the board, but I've heard a few speculations about it. What do you guys think about David Savard?
1: He's a left defenseman, right?
0: I think he plays on the right right now in Columbus.
1: I mean, again, it's a solid defenseman.
2: I think it's a solid defenseman who who, like Will Butcher, his value is not very high. If I'm not mistaken, he's a minus twelve on the season. He's playing in a you know an organization that hasn't been very successful this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were not. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to move him.
1: And he's actually a UFA after this season.
0: He so, makes what f- over four million,
1: Liam. Four point two five, yeah.
2: But regardless, like after this season, he's gone. We don't need to re-sign him.
1: Yeah, it would be an easy cap dump. I think it would fit in the right, right now. I honestly right think Columbus is, would be interested in having Byron because they have a very weak forward core, and he'd help out a lot.
0: Yeah,
2: I wonder. I mean, I think he'd strengthen their top, their top twelve, or their like. I think he'd be a good fourth line player for them. But I, I wonder if they're willing to take on the cap. Because they'd be they'd be essentially taking on over three million dollars in cap, and we'd be getting rid of four million dollars in cap next season. So it's kind of a win win for us. But I don't
0: I don't know how that would work out. Is he that well of a puck moving defenseman though? No, yeah, but he's a big body. He, has... he loves to block shots, and yeah, I think he, he doesn't he's have great that for a playoff mind.
2: run. Yeah, he doesn't.
0: That's the thing, right?
2: But do we? It, it's it's arguable, but I don't think not having that type of player is the end of the
0: world. It's not. It's just, is it the guy? Cause I think they could use, they need a defenseman. They need a defenseman. Sorry. Did I say defenseman before? Yeah, yeah you did. <laughs> Sorry. They need a centerman and a defenseman and they need Cole field. Yeah. That's what they need. So can I, can
2: I ask you guys a question? Looking at this list, there's four or five defensemen on it. I'm going to ask you to rank your top three. So I'm going to name them. The guys that I think are the most relevant. Like rank as in? Like as in like who you would want. Considering their cap, considering the price? Considering cap, considering price, and considering their play style. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to give you Will Butcher, Matias Ekholm, and I'll give you Brandon Montour. I'm going to leave out Vince Dunn, and I'm going to leave out David Savard. Uh, You know what? Sorry. Replace Vince Dunn with Brandon Montour. So Vince Dunn, Matthias Ekholm, and Will Butcher.
0: Liam, you want to take your shot?
1: Yeah, um, i definitely say Ekholm first. I think that's the guy. Uh, I know you didn't mention this name, but there's Alex Goligoski on this list, and he's had a past where he's put up decent points, but he does have a high cap hit.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think he's signed for a while, if I'm not mistaken. No, he's, he's a UFA. He's oh, a UFA. he's a UFA, okay. But he but, did sign a long contract a while ago,
0: right?
1: Yeah, with Arizona, but I mean, I I think Ekholm's the guy. I like Montour, but he is a right defenseman.
0: I have a name: Shane Gossespeare. So you guys are blowing off my list? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I'm, joking. I'm joking. But um, Shane Gossespeare, you're interested? He you a
2: while ago too.
0: He's been playing a horrible hockey in Philly for what, two years now. Oh my god! Yeah. And it's a- Philly's playing a horrible because the finish owns them
2: literal dumpster fire 12
1: so points why not
0: needs. do a swap byron and
2: Gossesbeer? beer i wonder i i just i just personally if i'm if i'm philly's gm i listen i i don't think Gossesbeer has a no i say it doesn't have a lot left in a tank but i mean i think he he's getting up
0: there where it's like yes they have cam york anyways he'll come and replace him. that's true but I just don't see as a philly gm if i'm ron hextall i'm not i'm not like no ron hextall's in pittsburgh so who's it's uh i think it's chuck fletcher Wow that that's that's a little sad that's a check but but (laughs) if i'm
2: whoever the gm is in philly (laughs) am i making that swap probably not
0: well he do they need him really He's scratched. He's in the lineup. He's out of the lineup. Why not throw a speedy Paul Byron next to Nolan Patrick?
1: It is Chuck Fletcher. Mm,
0: it is Chuck Fletcher. Okay.
2: So now everyone's gonna roast me for my hockey. Knowledge. <laughs> no, no one will. No <laughs> one will.
1: Well, look, I think I think Philly needs to make a move now. They are slipping oh, in the standings. They, have to, they,
2: they are coming close to the Buffalo situation. I'm sorry.
1: They should trade for Zibanejad.
2: Yeah, seriously.
1: Their goalie situation right now. And Beeda, you got to join him. It's horrible. <laughs>
2: Well, I don't know if it's a goalie situation, and I don't know if we should get into this, but I think... Uh,
1: I, I've heard it's a lot about the defense also. I I can't put... Well, they're, the they're leaving their goalies.
2: goalies out to dry.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you look at their decor, they look solid, but every single night, the D pairings are switching, the power play defense are switching. I I look at Shane Goss Bear, he's on power play one one night, and then he's sitting in the press box the next.
2: Yeah, I don't really get it. And honestly, I really thought going to the season that Philly was a like. If you look at their top nine, it's great. It's actually oh, great. I can I can name them right now. But I think six or seven of those guys are high end players.
1: And not to mention James Van Riemsdyk's having having a breakout season. Mm-hmm.
0: They're gonna fire Vigneault and they're gonna hire Juliet. Oh God! It's gonna be a whole recycle bin
1: in Philly. He'll, Claude will be back in the uh, the NHL as a coach.
0: Yeah, I, wonder- I say he's gonna go to Philly. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. We're reaching the end. And there's not a game coming up in the half schedule until next Monday. week. Is until it Monday? M- yeah. Okay. But our bold prediction will be concerning the trade deadline.
2: Okay. And before you say that, I kind of just wanted to give you some kudos here. Your your bold prediction was one game late. Oh. But it did hit. It did hit. What, I did they, forget about that. I think that. they had five combined points. I think they did also, so yeah. you So you called four... But they upped the ante and went five. They might have been listening to you. They
0: exceeded the expectations. There you go. So they're listening to Habs culture. To
2: That's that. I'm gonna I'm gonna call that the
0: first bold prediction success. I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> it. So now we're gonna try again. Try and hit the mark. So on on um, trade targets. Yeah. So okay. we'll start with Liam. Here's the here's the bold prediction question ish. Is there who's the one guy that you think the Habs can acquire? But it, it's got to be bold. I don't want to hear at home. <laughs>
1: All right, I'll I'll make this very bold. I think the Habs, well this is my bold prediction I guess. They're going for Taylor Hall and they're giving up Jesus. They're giving up a first <laughs> and they're giving up probably a second and a prospect.
2: This guy's getting Jeez. roasted on every social media platform after this one. Liam, get ready. It's get Taylor ready Hall. for the social
0: media it's comments. Gonna, it's going to be
2: Hashtag Liam Baum. I'm done with this. Guy. Do you want to
1: shout out your Instagram while you're here? Do you want to say it? <laughs> I might never be back on the podcast. After.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if it happens, it will put you full time. There you go. Um,
1: what
2: I about think you? Just my your bold, prediction? bold prediction is in. The, it's the same level, but I'm going to go with someone who. I whatever. I don't need to give an explanation, but Philip Forsberg. Ooh, that's a good one. The Habs are going to go after Philip Forsberg. They're going to stay in Nashville. You know, they're going to explore the Matthias Ekholm. <laughs> Avenue, and then they're gonna switch their
0: mindset to Phil Forsberg. I'm gonna go with a shot in the dark here, like a real shot in the dark. I don't know if it's as much as a shot in the dark as Liam's, but <laughs> I'm gonna go with Cam Fowler of the Anaheim Ducks. Interesting. That's interesting. Nice left shot defenseman. Very offensive. Very offensive. A few, a few years ago, he's been rumored with the Habs, but look, it's really bold. I really don't expect it to happen. To be completely <laughs> honest, but. I'll just throw a name out there, Cam Fowler. I like so it. we're going to wrap it up here. Liam, we thank you so much for joining. I hope you had a good time.
1: I had a great time. Thank Thanks, you, Thanks, Liam.
0: And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining us on the Habs Culture Podcast.
2: Thanks, guys.